About 110 years ago, over 400 people attended a meeting in the Old Town Hall on Main Street to discuss the possibility of a cotton mill coming to Brattleboro. The Brattleboro Board of Trade, an earlier version of the Chamber of Commerce, called the meeting to share information with the public. The proposal from a group of Rhode Island and Massachusetts mill directors was to create a mill that would produce high-grade cotton goods that could be used to make handkerchiefs, baby clothing, lingerie, underwear, curtains, blouses, and dresses. The mill would be built on land located between South Main Street and Vernon Road. Town leaders saw this as an opportunity for the community to prosper and grow. The town of Brattleboro met the requirements established by the mill developers. The mill was constructed and began operating in February 1912. It took a few months to get the machinery running smoothly and the indoor humidity balanced. At that time, the southeastern part of town had not been developed much. The Valley Fair grounds was nearby, but the area was mostly populated with farms. A few of the farms were purchased to build the factory, and more land was in demand to provide housing to accommodate the mill workers. This area was chosen because of the close proximity to the newly completed Vernon Dam and easy access to the railroad along the Connecticut River. The mill was the first textile factory whose machinery was entirely operated by electricity. The cotton mill's main building was a large rectangular red brick three-floor structure. In the main building, the bottom floor housed the raw cotton, the second floor was the weaving room, and the third floor was the spinning room. There was also storage and a machine shop in the main building. The administration building was attached to the southern front of the mill complex, and the boiler room was in the back. The mill was built by a Rhode Island firm who brought Italian workers to the area to construct the building. Tenement housing was constructed near the mill. The development was called Fort Dummer Heights. When the mill began, a five-room tenement was $10 a month. Each tenement contained a kitchen, dining room, parlor, three bedrooms, and a bathroom. The immigrant workers who moved into the housing were mostly French-Canadian, Irish, Polish, and German. Recruiters also traveled throughout New England and upstate New York to entice rural folks to adopt mill life. In March 1912, the town school board requested bids for a new school to be built nearby. The predicted increase in school population because of the influx of mill workers' families had the school directors worried about overcrowded classrooms. This became the Oak Grove School. In 1929, ownership of the mill changed. It became part of the Berkshire Fine Spinning Associates. This company operated mills throughout New England. When the mill became part of Berkshire Fine Spinning, it began producing lawn cotton which is fine combed cotton fabric that was used to make curtains, blouses, and other products. During World War II, almost the entire production line went to military use, including camouflage cloth, gas decontamination suits, gas-proof capes, and undergarments for WAVE and WAC personnel. In 1954, there was another merger with Hathaway Manufacturing of New Bedford, and 12 mills were joined together with two finishing plants. The Fort Dummer Mill was the smallest in the group. From 1953 to 1955, the Fort Dummer Mill watched nearby New England mills close. A 1955 editorial in the Brattleboro Reformer explained that in the past two years, 39 New England cotton mills had closed and 18,000 jobs were lost because of the labor cost differences between the northern mills and southern mills. According to reports published at the time, the cost difference between non-union southern mills and northern union mills was about 23 cents an hour. Between Southern Union Mills and Northern Mills, it was about $0.10 an hour. For two years, the local union and the company fought over those $0.10. The local workers did not want to take a pay cut, and the owners wanted to lower costs so they could better compete with lower-wage Southern Mills. The 
Fort Dummer mill workers belonged to the Congress of Industrial Organizations, the CIO Labor Union. On April 15, 1955, the New England CIO declared a strike against the New England mills they bargained with. And on April 17th, 200 of the local unionized cotton workers met together and voted to affirm the strike. They chanted, no cuts, no contract, no work. All 12 Berkshire Hathaway mills went on strike. The company announced 10,000 New Englanders would not receive a paycheck because of the strike. The company estimated it was about $500,000 a week in lost wages. After striking for 13 weeks, the two sides came to a settlement. There would be no cut in hourly pay, but management would be able to save $0.10 an hour through reductions in the benefit package. Berkshire Hathaway said it believed the Northern Mills would be able to compete more effectively with Southern Mills as a result of the agreement. Both sides agreed to open negotiations again in a year. The following year, 1956, Berkshire Hathaway agreed quickly to a wage increase of 6.5% an hour. The day after the union voted to accept the new contract, Fort Dummer management announced the plant would go on a three-day work week. A a 40-hour-a-week job became a a 24-hour-a-week job. In December 1956, Fort Dummer management announced the mill would close on January 2, 1957. Ten of the 13 Berkshire Hathaway mills would close because of the uncertainty of future Japanese imports. The mill opened briefly in late January, but closed again in February of 1957. It was explained that Fort Dummer did not have the high efficiency of larger mills in the Berkshire Hathaway group. An April 1957 editorial reported the temporary closing of Fort Dummer Mill a little over three months ago is causing economic hardship for the 350 laid-off employees. The local union reports that about 50 workers have found temporary employment. Some 250 are still in need of temporary employment, about 85 of these being men who hope they will be given every consideration. About 65 of them are under the age of 50, 20 are over 50, and 165 are women who also need work. According to management, the Fort Dummer Mill was on standby, waiting for market conditions to improve. Meanwhile, Berkshire Hathaway's Greylock Mill was put up for sale, and most people saw the writing on the wall. On May 23, 1958, Berkshire Hathaway announced the mill would not reopen. We are obliged to consider this closing as permanent and dispose of the land, buildings, and machinery altogether with the other real estate we own in the area. Fort Dummer Mill operated for 45 years and followed the economic arc of other New England cotton mills. The mill worker tenement complex along South Main Street became known locally as Fort Dummer and developed into its own neighborhood. The town trolley ran to the mill to help with worker transportation an Oak Grove school was built to accommodate the influx of workers' children. Corner stores, a barber shop, hairdresser, restaurant, pool hall, and bar were established in the neighborhood. The mill formed a baseball team that competed with other New England mill teams. Fort Dummer became a tight-knit community that revolved around the cotton mill. As with most mill operations, there were issues with child labor, health care, job security, and low wages. At the same time, many people who have connections to the Fort Dummer neighborhood have fond memories of a close community that looked out for one another in good times and bad. We appreciate research done by Marlboro College student Paige L. Martin. Information for this article was sourced in her 2010 paper written for her plan of concentration. Please join us next week for another story from our community's past.